0: This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmayer, and welcome to Keep the Faith, my bi-weekly podcast in which we explore contemporary issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. Rosh Hashanah arrives in just over five weeks, so there's no more relevant contemporary issue for us right now than preparing ourselves for the task we face if we take the High Holy Days as seriously as they should be taken. To properly prepare for the task those 10 days from Rosh Hashanah through Yom Kippur impose on us, we need to do what we call Cheshbon HaNefesh. We need to make an accounting of our souls by taking stock of the way we've lived our lives since the end of Yom Kippur 5783. We need to examine what we've said and done or haven't said and done and then decide how to do it all better in 5784. I discussed this last year in the three podcasts leading up to Rosh Hashanah 5783. But the High Holy Days really are serious business. So much of the material in this podcast and the two that follow deserve reviewing every year at this time. And so the topic for this podcast and the next two is another look at what I call the Roadmap to Repentance in the 21st Century, beginning this week with part one. Doing that cheshbon that accounting of our souls, is not as easy as it sounds for several reasons. The most important one is this. As Jews, we don't get to decide right from wrong. The Torah decides that for us. We're supposed to judge ourselves based on its dictates, not on what we perceive as right and wrong or what society at large considers to be proper behavior. The Torah is our official, exclusive, and only proper behavior rulebook. It contains laws about how to behave towards other people, those nearest and dearest to us, and those we may never even meet but who need us in some way, how we must feed the hungry, clothe the naked, aid the oppressed, and treat the stranger, and what our responsibilities are to the non-human creatures who share this planet with us. And it's even about what our responsibilities are to the planet itself. These laws are about how we must be just, righteous, and honorable in everything we do, as the Torah understands being just, righteous, and honorable. All of these things are pretty relevant to us in the 21st century. Obviously, then, if we're to make a correct and honest accounting of how we live our lives, we need to know what the Torah says about all these issues and what the Torah means by what it says. That's why we need a roadmap to repentance. Fortunately, that roadmap is set out in the weekly Torah reading leading up to the High Holy Days, all of which are in the Book of Deuteronomy, Sefer Devarim. They began last Shabbat. It's a very special reading because of its content. I'll get to that. For us to do that teshbon anefesh, that accounting for our souls, we need to understand what the Torah has to say about what we should and should not do in virtually every aspect of our lives. These successive readings apply us with that information in an easily accessible form. And as it happens pretty coincidentally, it does so at precisely the time of year when we need ready access to that information. All of it is scattered throughout the Torah, but it's in these readings that we have a compact, condensed, easily accessible version of the Torah's laws. It's not enough to read this roadmap or to hear it being read to us. We need to dig into its words to find what's really being said, because, as I often point out, the laws in the Torah, including those in these readings, are chapter headings for whole bodies of law. This roadmap is at least 3,500 years old, but it's even more relevant for us today than it ever was in the past. Life today is so much more complicated than ever before. It's no longer so easy to tell the difference between what's right and what's wrong. What once may have appeared as black and white has now turned into heavy shades of gray. The most straightforward, inoffensive-appearing actions or words on our part may actually be sins we have to atone for and work at so as not to repeat them. Here are two examples of what I mean. In the first example, someone asks whether we saw the latest Peanuts comic strip in our local newspaper. We respond casually and with no malice intended by saying that we're really much too busy to take time to read the comic. That's a sin, but we'd never know it if we didn't have a proper behavior rule book to guide us. In this case, it violates the Torah's laws about bad speech because What that person heard us say was, you really have nothing better to do with your time than waste it reading the comic strips? In the second example, we're driving along the highway at 10 miles over the speed limit and weaving from one lane to another to maintain that speed. In doing so, we're violating at least two Torah laws about not wasting precious fuel and putting lives at risk. We wouldn't know that either without this roadmap. Over the remainder of this podcast, and God willing, in the next two, we'll dig beneath the words that form this roadmap to repentance, because only then can we understand what we need to atone for and to chain. The first reading in the Torah's Roadmap to Repentance in the 21st century was last week's portion, known as Ba'etchanan. I'm particularly partial to this reading because of its unique content. It contains both the so-called Ten Commandments and the Shema year Israel, and also because it happens to be my Bar Mitzvah Parsha. Deuteronomy is Moses' three-part farewell address to the Israelites. In the first reading in Deuteronomy two weeks ago, he set the stage for his review of Israel's laws by reviewing the history of the previous 40 years. Last week, he began to review the laws themselves. Moses knew he was about to die and had good reason for wanting to do this review in the few days he had left. Israel, after all, existed for one reason only, to be God's kingdom of priests and holy nation, tasked with an awesome mission, to turn this world into a just, equitable, caring world for everyone and everything that God put into it at creation. In other words, the task of repairing the world in all its aspects, what we call tikkun ha'olam, Moses needed to make sure the Israelites understood what was required of them to begin to fulfill that mission. Moses also understood that tikkun ha-olam is a long, drawn-out process. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a single generation or even in a millennia of generations. It takes one careful step at a time. And the success of each step depends on God's kingdom of priests and holy nation doing the things individually and collectively that need doing in order to fulfill that mission. So, while Moses was speaking to the Israelites who were standing before him, he was also talking to all the Israelites who came after that generation, including us. The words he spoke then are the words he speaks to us today. These are words we desperately need to hear and understand because our world today desperately needs repair and repairing it continues to be our mission. How we've lived up to that task in the year 5783 is what we need to give serious thought to as we approach the year 5784. Moses began his review last week with these words, quote, and now Israel, listen to the laws and to the judgments that I'm teaching you to do. You shall observe and do them because it's your wisdom and your understanding before the eyes of all the other people. And that they will hear all these laws and will say, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. And you also shall make these laws known to your children and to your children's children. Let's unpack what Moses said here. If, in our own Jewish world, We create a just, equitable, caring society by following these laws and then extend that out to the broader world around us by example, then other people will see the benefits of living life that way and will want to emulate us. And because this is a a one-step-at-a-time task, we need to pass it on through the generations that follow us until the day when the whole world acts justly and equitably and does so in a caring manner. Moses then gets into specifics and does so by beginning at the beginning with the foundation document from which all of the Torah's laws flow. That document is known as the Sefer Habrit, the Book of the Covenant, as the Torah calls it. In essence, it's the constitution for God's kingdom of priests and holy nation. And it's found in the Book of Exodus, Sefer Shemot. In chapters twenty-one through twenty-three, God gave Israel that constitution forty years earlier at Mount Sinai, and it began with a preamble, the so-called Ten Commandments, a document that last week's reading actually and correctly called the Ten Declaration, the Aseret Hadvarim. This preamble sets the tone for everything that follows. That's the purpose of a preamble, after all. And the Ten Declarations does precisely that. Before going into the specific laws in the Book of the Covenant and the rest of the Torah, therefore, Moses begins with that preamble. This is not a religious document, despite how people perceive it. There's not even one commandment in these so-called Ten Commandments, with apologies to everyone who says otherwise. The Torah refers to it as the 10 declarations, not the 10 commandments, because they're not commandments. The Torah later on will provide specific commandments for each of these statements. This preamble begins with four statements that could be seen as being religious in nature, but they're not, as I'm about to explain. These four are not to believe in another God, not to make any graven image, not to use God's sacred name to do evil and keep holy the seventh day, meaning Shabbat. The text does not begin by saying, you shall believe in God. And it doesn't begin that way for an excellent reason. A constitution is something everyone has to accept, even an atheist. Not saying we have to believe in this God, but saying only that we're not to believe in any other God is something even an atheist could accept. An atheist has no intention of believing in any God, period. But an atheist in Israel still needs to follow the laws of Israel. Believe in me or not, the text has God saying, but if you belong to this people Israel, Am Yisrael, you still need to follow its laws however you think they came about. Clubs have rules. Nations have rules. If you want to belong to that club or that nation, You have to follow its rule. That's all that's being said here. The statement about not making any graven images fits into that. Context here matters. The statement is meant to amplify, you shall have no other gods before me. In the ancient world, a graven image was considered to be the embodiment of a pagan deity, a no-god, as we would say. So, making a graven image would appear, at least, as though we were worshiping some pagan no-god. There's more to it than that, though. In our modern world, there are all kinds of graven images we worship in a broad sense, with fame and fortune being high among them. Too many of us devote ourselves to them more than we devote ourselves to our families, our friends, our communities, or our world. There also are good luck charms so many people rely on. These don't have to be four-leaf clovers or rabbits' feet. They could be a particular jacket or blouse. Something good always happens to us when we wear it. There's a great deal of relevance for us today in this graven images statement. Don't take time away from the things that really need doing, because we're so focused on our brand of graven image. Once we get past these opening statements, morality and ethics take over more directly. First. Quote, you shall not use God's sacred name to do evil, unquote. This isn't a religious commandment, even though people think it is. It's a statement, first of all, not a commandment. And it's letting us know that the laws we're going to get, the actual commandments that will follow this preamble, will prohibit us from cheating anyone or lying about anyone, and especially warning us against doing so by invoking God's sacred name. It's about not saying, I swear to God, that this car was never in an accident when it was in an accident. In ancient times, people believed that their no-gods would zap them instantly if they invoked their names in a falsehood, such as trying to defraud someone. Using the name of a god was, and still is to many people, a good housekeeping seal of approval, or a consumer's reports, that's buy. This statement sets the stage for laws about how we must deal with people, about how we must not gain an unfair advantage over someone else, and how we must never shade a truth or two in our dealings with others. In preparing that accounting of our souls, we must ask ourselves what we did in the past year along those lines. As for Shabbat, this is probably the most important of the Ten Declarations because of what it says. In every sense, it underpins all of the Torah's moral and ethical code. The statement begins by telling us that laws to come will prohibit us from working on Shabbat, which I can see could be seen as imposing a religious obligation, but that's not the objective here. Listen carefully to its words as Moses delivered them in last week's Torah portion. Quote, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, and the seventh day is a Shabbat to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant or your maidservant, nor your ox or your she donkey or any animal, and not the stranger who is in your gates, so that your manservant and your maidservant will rest as you do, unquote. In the original version, in the book of Exodus, in Sefer Shemot, this statement ends differently. Quote, for in six days the Lord did create the heavens and the earth, the seas and all that is in them, and the Lord rested on the seventh day, unquote. Keep that in mind for a moment. Whether we work on Shabbat is between us and God. But in the overly socially stratified world of 3,500 years ago, this statement regarding Shabbat put us and everyone else on notice, that for at least one day out of every seven, we must acknowledge that no one has any absolute control over anyone else. For one seventh of our entire lives coming every seventh day, no matter how much power we think we wield, we must acknowledge that every creature on this planet, human or otherwise, has the same rights as we do because They were born with those rights, just as we were born with them. Rich or poor, enslaver or enslaved, man or woman, parent or child, human or animal, or bird in the sky or even creepy, crawly things, everyone and everything has an equal right to the same day of rest each week, and no one has the right to take that away from them. As I've often said, this is the ultimate statement of social equality. And it's also the ultimate environmental protection statement for two reasons. First, God deliberately referenced creation in the version God delivered in Exodus. The second is that later on in the Book of the Covenant, which follows the Ten Declarations, God gives the land itself a Shabbat of rest, one year out of every seven. And God does so by attaching it to the actual Shabbat commandment that appears there. If we're looking for relevance in the modern world, this multifaceted statement about Shabbat has tons of it, as do the Shabbat laws that will flow from this preamble. It's about how we treat the people around us, the strangers among us, the people in our employ, or those we hire for specific tasks. It's about the respect we should show these people the proper way for us to talk to them, the care we should show for their well-being. It's about the care we should show for the well-being of all the other life forms on this planet, both animate and inanimate. It's about the care we should show for the planet's well-being. And this is all just for starters. All of these things are matters of concern where Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are concerned. I'll elaborate on all this when we get to the actual laws in the next two podcasts. As for the remaining five statements, they're all about behavior, honoring parents, and by extension, all those who act as parents in a way such as our teachers, our religious leaders, our role models. Not committing cold-blooded murder. Not committing adultery. Not stealing from anyone, which also includes not misleading people or plagiarizing something of theirs. Not trying to harm anyone by committing perjury, formally or otherwise not even thinking about wanting what someone else has, because that in itself could lead us to do bad things. This is not a religious document. It's a document about how to behave, not how to believe. It's also a preamble to all of the laws that follow in the Book of the Covenant and the rest of the Torah. It doesn't contain a single commandment like the preamble to the U.S. Constitution this preamble sets the tone for the actual commandments that will follow it. As the opening section of our Roadmap to Repentance for the 21st Century, it also sets the tone for how we must approach our task for preparing for the High Holy Days over the next few weeks. God willing, we'll examine some of the other laws found in the upcoming readings in Deuteronomy, because taken together, They are the roadmap to repentance in the 21st century. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmayer. I do hope you come back for my next podcast, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about this or my other podcasts. Go to www.shammai.org, www.shammai.org, O R G and email me, please. If you don't get the Jewish standard but want to read my columns, go to the columns page of my website. The current column deals with the assault on democracy in the state of Israel. Shabbat shalom. Stay healthy. Keep taking all COVID 19 precautions, especially now that cases are spiking upwards again, including wearing N95 masks in public, no matter who tells you otherwise. And above all, stay safe.